Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hey, Cam. Yes, Bobby. What's going on, man? Filling in for Alex this week. Hey, what's up? So, uh, since I'm filling in for Alex, can we, like, skip the dad joke thing, or? Oh, my God. Yes. Yes, we absolutely can. Terrific idea, Bobby. This is going to be this the might best be the episode, best episode ever. ever. It is! Oh, my God, Cam. <laughs> <laughs> Roll it! Dansby throws to first base. Is this happening? It is! The Atlanta Braves are world champions! Welcome to the Chatting Average Podcast, presented by Sports Drink. Here are your hosts, Cam Matthews and Alex Butler. Now you're all in big, big trouble. Welcome to your friendly neighborhood Atlanta Braves podcast. Welcome to Chatting Average. I'm your host, Mr. Cam Matthews. Joined this week, the fill-in for Mr. Alex Butler, Bobby Anthony, a.k.a. B.A. Bobbles on Twitter. Bobby! What's going on, man? Oh, I don't know. He's trying to get slightly above average this week. Oh, Oh well, as as the most handsome man on Braves Twitter, I think uh, I think we're doing pretty well just by having you on here. Yeah, I appreciate it. I know there's been some. Uh, well, I guess nobody else knows about a certain other time, but we won't talk about that. I guess it's fine. Okay, okay, fine, fine. We'll bring it up. So this is not technically Bobby's first time on the show. He's been on the show with Alex and I before. None of you heard it though. <laughs> um, <laughs> of course, last season, right before the trade deadline, we had Bobby on as a guest, and naturally, that is the one time in this show's history that the show got completely deleted, and uh, we had no episode to post. And so, ever since then, we have both felt very, very bad about how we treated Bobby, and now I'm happy to have him back on here to make up for it. Yeah, I don't harbor any resentment at all or anything towards that that week no. at all. No, no, that's that's just why you bring it up as often as you can. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So, Bobby, uh, tell the folks a little bit about yourself. Uh, It's not a lot. Uh, I am a North Carolina native. Woo! Don't you say those two words. I'm a Wake Forest fan. There, I'll put that in there. 
Oh, geez. If you follow me on Twitter at all, you know that. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Which means he's not lying, because I've never known anybody to ever lie about being a Wake Forest fan. Yeah, man, that's a special... Uh, that's a special breed right there. Yeah, we're... Yeah. If you... Yeah. Yeah. Torture is something you enjoy. Uh, yeah, that's... I mean, I don't know. From, from North Carolina... Lived here my whole life. Uh, Bravest fan my whole life, obviously. Uh, I was in the Navy for a few years. Now I'm not. I moved back home, and that's about it. Yeah, so I guess, you know, your, your Twitter username is at B.A. Bobbles. Can you give folks a little background on that? Yeah, you can thank Cody, a.k.a. Dr. Bobble. Uh, he did that, kind of. He, uh, I found him on Twitter a few years ago. I was like, dude, this guy's got a lot of bobbleheads. These things are cool. And then I started scooping some up, got some SGAs, and uh, started chatting with him. I started doing a few customs. I uh, did a Luke Jackson. That one was pretty good on Twitter. That one, there were a lot of people liked that one. Uh, I was supposed to send him one of those. And then my uh, clear lacquer turns into a different color and uh actually finally found a good one so i'm hopefully if he responds gonna send that to luke pretty soon nice and what did what did that luke bobblehead start out as i remember there was an original version of it it was a different player but who was it dude that is a fantastic question (laughs) well i don't i don't mean to put you on the spot or anything no i'm trying to uh ben lively Ben Lively. Uh, Blue Wahoo's Ben Lively. Yeah. Yep. I, 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 I can honestly say I don't even know much about Ben Lively. Oh, um, he's got a bobblehead. <laughs> hey, you know. <laughs> he was somebody at some point, so. He, ha- he has one more bobblehead of himself than I have of me, so. Yeah, I can change that. Ooh. Maybe maybe we should, should do a chatting average bobblehead. That could be Ooh. fun. You know what? I might have one back here that'll work. Uh-oh. Might have just gave me an idea. Well, this is exciting. I am uh, yeah, certainly looking forward to uh, that. Well, you know, uh, I don't know if you remember the Luke bobblehead. I actually threw your guys' sticker on there. That's right. You did. It was great. Because, you know, Alex and I were kind of at the forefront of the Luke Jackson train. We we were some Luke Jackson truthers. And yeah. now everybody, everybody knows the gospel of our friendly neighborhood slider man, so... Yeah, those tweets got deleted pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, they as they should have. As they should have. But, you know, talking about going back, to, especially to the first season of this show, you know, Bobby, you've kind of been a fan of us since day one, which is pretty cool. And now, you know, we I feel like you and Alex and I, we all have a pretty cool friendship. So it's neat how things just kind of develop over a couple of years. Yeah, it's funny how you just, like, uh, you know, I've never – I met Alex – I've never met you yet, which is funny because I live about four hours closer to you than him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You and I could literally, like, hop in our cars right now and meet in about 30 minutes. Yep. Barely close. But uh, it's funny how the internet just does that. I've done that with a few people, so it's pretty cool. Uh, You guys are funny. So I started listening. Well, uh, we we got to have something going for us, I guess. No, not all of us true. can be as attractive uh, as you, Bobby. You know, it's it's just it means a lot to be here. Oh, oh gosh, there it goes. <laughs> <laughs> it's Bobby been a full day. It it has been a full day. 
So, a little background. Bobby likes to throw out the Jim Valvano quote as often as he can in one of our group chats. Because anytime somebody says, man, I'm crying right now, Bobby would just come in and say, well, now you just got to think and you got to laugh and you'll have a full day. That's it. That's it. Hey, it's a good, uh, it's a good thing to live by. It is. It is. Well, Bobby, speaking of living right, man, you must be living right. You recently got married. Yeah. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> over Memorial Day weekend. Finally uh, hitched up there. That's good. Went on uh, honeymoon down to St. Lucia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, not, not that we were jealous week. or anything of your pictures yeah, that you sent I mean, us. You know, the weather was terrible. It was just not good food. It's honestly nothing to be jealous of. <laughs> Completely joking. It was absolutely beautiful. Uh, 80 degrees every single day from the time you wake up, from the time you went to bed, and the food was amazing. So it was good. Fantastic. Good but, stuff. So. Uh, so I guess, uh... Scott for Scott's here. You ever want to grow new grass faster? Kind of like when you press the two times playback button on your podcast so you can speed through episodes. Except it's Scott's turf builder rapid grass. You're speeding your way from a thin and damaged lawn to a thicker, stronger one in just weeks. Bit too fast, maybe slow it down, okay. Let's just go back to normal speed. Get a bag of Scott's turf builder rapid grass today. It grows grass two times faster than seed alone when applied at the new lawn rate subject to proper care. Feed your lawn. Feed it. I'm Michael Judson Barry. And I'm Paris Nicholson. And we're both influencers. We're also your amazing hosts of The Social Dose, a fabulous new podcast where we serve your weekly dose of social's most important stories. It's like the yassification of news brought to you by us, Paris and Michael. Join us and special correspondence three times a week, every week. So listen to The Social Dose from Something Else and Sony Music Entertainment. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. For you and your wife, how many how many ball games have you been to together? Man, that sounds weird. Uh, what? It just sounds weird to say. Uh, wife, I don't know. Still not used to it. Um, yeah, I, I guess I guess you still are in the uh, in the short rows of your marriage. That's fair. Yeah. Well, I pretty much refer to her by name to most of uh, the people I know, so I don't right. have to say wife. So it's still still trying to adjust. My wife. Yeah. yeah my wife. Uh, <laughs> let's see. I don't know. We've been together a while. Uh, shit, probably Braves games. Probably 15, 20. Good Lord. See, I, okay. I've been to, I think, five Braves games in person in my life. What? Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. I've just, I, I've never. So I had a pretty good streak for about three years there where I was able to go down for like at least one per season, you know, which was always a, a big to do. And then the COVID season happened and then last year happened and now this year's happening. And I just, you know, have not had a chance to go down there, which every, at every turn, Alex is, you know, jumping down my throat about me not coming down there to do a podcast with him. Yeah. Yeah. That man, that, I know, uh, guys keep talking about that. That'd be so cool. Uh, quick little live episode. See what it is, is I'm secretly hiding that I'm only four foot 11 and so <laughs> big Big champ man doesn't actually work for me anymore. Oh god! I just man, I just can't. Only a couple inches taller than you. Oh gosh! I just I just can't let let anybody know. Nah. No, no. As we've discussed, I'm I'm basically the podcast version of Daniel Vogelbach. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> did you see that picture of of Vogelbach and Dude, Rowdy Telez? How impressive of a photo i mean like if you if they were standing there and in, in just like t-shirts and shorts 
you'd be like, man, those guys probably are offensive linemen. Yeah, yeah, it's wild. Uh, that that picture just needs to go to the Hall of Fame. Just just yeah. put it in there. Just just two absolute units. We need, we need one of those guys, uh, a Jose Altuve and an Aaron Judge, and they all need to stand with Billy Hamilton. <laughs> I'll put them beside each other and be like baseball. Billy Hamilton, Braves. The only sport where these four people can compete at the same level. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it's crazy, too, because, like like you were saying, baseball has, like, such a different size range of so many guys. But especially, when like, when you're watching games and you look at these guys on TV, except for, like, an Aaron Judge or, you know, somebody like that, it's easy to, like, not think about how big these dudes actually are. Yeah. You know? Like, genuinely. Like, if you look at, like, an Adam Duvall on TV, you know, like, oh, he looks like a pretty average guy. But I'm sure if I stood next to Adam Duvall, like, I would still probably feel kind of small next to that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Every time they do the the, uh, pictures of when they're walking in, you know, in their outfits, and he's wearing, like, shorts, and I see his thighs, I'm like, yeah, that dude's not a regular person. (laughs) Regular people don't have legs like that. Show me more of your thighs, Daddy. <laughs> Him and Spencer Strider need to walk in with like five-inch seam shorts right beside each other. Oh, oh! If we're gonna, if we're gonna start talking about thighs, we gotta talk about Maple Leaf Muscle, Mike Soroka. That's true. Who? Yeah, they, yeah, send all three of them in there. Hopefully, we're gonna see him soon. And that would be a really nice lift, that's for sure. No kidding. No kidding. What what are what are your kind of expectations right now for for something like that? For him in general? Yeah, yeah, just, just in back. general. Yeah. I mean, if he can give you innings at all this year, you feel really good. The guys like curse though, man. I swear like he had like one of the most random injuries, right? I mean, he's feeling a bunt, something he's done a million times in his life. And then he's walking one day without a boot. Tears it again. Like, how does that happen? And then he gets hit in the knee last week with a comebacker. Oh, so, wait, wait, let me tell you. When I, when I saw that tweet, I could have just thrown my phone across the room. I had to check it like four or five times. I was making sure it wasn't like a parody account. <laughs> More bad news for Soroka. Don't you dare! Yeah, come on, man. Like, of all the people. No, I don't know. I mean, if he comes back at all, that's good news. I think there's a lot of people putting uh, some... Uh, unrealistic not unachievable because the dude is insane like if you i don't know i keep reminding myself as good as max freed is mike soroka was the number one starter for the Atlanta. yeah <laughs> like i i have to keep you know you watch max and when he gives up two runs you're like dang he's off tonight <laughs> i mean then, i mean we're, we're talking about a guy that we're, we're talking about a guy that went like tit for tat with jacob de a couple of years ago on opening day you know, that he threw who threw one bad pitch and we lost the game once enough. Yeah. Like that that's the kind of guy we're talking about. But yeah. you know, I, I, I agree that I think I, I'm really just trying to temper my expectations with him because he is coming back from a very hard injury to recover from. Yeah. Yeah, twice removed. Yeah, twice. So it's gonna be uh yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I said, if he can give you anything at all it's a it's gravy but uh, i don't know it it wouldn't surprise me at all either if the dude came back and first outing goes like you know five 
yeah. six hits, one run, like, you know, three or four strikeouts, and you're like, yeah, that that seems about right. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're, we're certainly we're certainly getting closer to, to his return and hopefully getting closer to the return of Kirby Yates. So we have some stuff to look forward to in the future. But, Bobby, what do you say we look at some baseball events from the past? Let's do it. All right. We are going to jump into this week in baseball history. As always, you can find these facts at nationalpastime.com. And this week's facts are actually brought to us by Bobby. So, Bobby, take it away, sir. All right. Uh, this week in baseball history was uh, pretty eventful. Some pretty big baseball items in here, at least in my opinion, which probably is in the minority. I didn't even think about that. Screw you, people. All right. Ah, got him. Uh, July 4th, 1939. During Lou Gehrig Appreciation Day at Yankee Stadium, the Iron Horse's uniform number four will be the first ever to be retired. Initially too moved to speak, the emotional man of the hour changes his mind when skipper Joe McCarthy encourages him, setting the stage for baseball's most iconic speech when he describes himself as the luckiest man on the face of the earth. I thought that thing, one was pretty good. I could read the uh, excerpt, but I'm not going to because <laughs> I might cry. I, well, I, I was going to say, I think beyond the fact that it's the most famous speech in baseball history, I think I think it goes into American history, too, as yeah. you know, a, as a monumental moment. I, I, I remember this being in a social studies book in elementary school. That is exactly what I was about to say. This was in a yeah, social studies book. The picture with the microphone, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, we're, we're talking about, you know, we, we're still talking about an era where sports, professional sports in America, were, were still kind of finding their way in, in pop culture. You know, really it didn't start, like baseball was a thing, but mostly in your larger metropolitan cities, like cities where people were able to follow the sport more closely, where you know, and so we're talking about like the the mid 19 you know teens into that era, and then of course you know you had the Black Sox scandal of 1919 and into 1920. But now that like we're you know we're getting into the like the 30s and then eventually into the 40s, this is really where sports in American culture has started to blossom. And so it can't be understated how big of a moment this is, uh, you know, for Lou Gehrig who at the time was still a highly productive player, even even kind of going into the twilight of his career to suddenly be struck down like this in an open forum for a guy who was known to be so quiet and so timid to be just very blunt about his situation the way he it, it, It's a hell of a moment. Yeah, I mean, all that, and then for a little perspective for like younger fans, this was the first jersey ever retired. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, signif- the significance of that. I mean, you look at um, just the Yankees alone and all the numbers they have retired. This was the first one. But you go to almost any stadium and you see numbers hanging up. This was the very first one. So. Just, uh, and, and and rightfully so. I mean. Yeah. No. Yeah. Garrick yeah, sure. was a Garrick was a hell of a guy. Say what you want about the Yankees, but he but he really was. Yep. So uh, the next fact is uh, July 6th, 1986. A lot of Braves fans are going to know this. At Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, first 
baseman Bob Horner becomes the 11th major leaguer to hit four home runs in one game. However, three of the four home runs are solo shots, and the Expos beat the Braves. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, that sounds about right for that That's era of Atlanta Shohei Braves baseball. Mike Trout written all over it. Uh, yeah, yeah, that 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 sounds about right. Because golly, the '80s were not kind to Man, your Atlanta that, Braves. That is a synopsis of the '80s in Atlanta. But Bob Horner, I, I still feel like for an era of the Braves that was basically dominated by by Dale Murphy, you know, before the 90s kicked in, I feel like Bob Bob Horner kind of takes a back seat a lot of times, but he was a hell of a player in the his own never ride. saw minor league ball. No, that, that's the wildest thing. Like, like we all awe uh, Michael Harris. Right. This guy never Skipping saw minor stuff. league ball at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, nowhere. So that's uh, in and of itself is impressive. And then obviously uh, the four homers in one game. If you go to the ballpark, you can see uh, the bat, I believe, is the piece they have hanging up on the monument area. For that's right. Yeah, that's right. They do. They sure do. And he's, he's a good interview, too. I think it was I think he was on Behind the Braves. Uh, one time and just gives a hell of an interview you know very very much kind of like a just a down-to-earth good old boy kind of guy when you think bob horner what's like the thing what is the is is the four homers like what you think of uh typically yeah Yeah, i think of his hair yeah that's fair that That, dude had some hair (laughs) dude yeah yeah he he probably drank like two gallons of gatorade throughout baseball games because with a carpet like that on top of your head (laughs) My man was sweating. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so that was July 6th, 1986. We're going to go a few years back here. July 8th, 1979. The Mets announced, this was on purpose. This was not coincidence. The Mets announced the selection of Metal as the name for the new mascot mule. Because they're right. all a bunch of asses. Uh, Dolores Maps of Mercerville, New Jersey, who submitted the winning entry, believes the moniker captures the team's, quote, spirit, ardor, stamina, and courage, all of which the Mets have in abundance, end quote. Ask Frank the Tank about that one. I had no idea this was a thing, but my God, my life is better for it. Hey, you're welcome. There's even a picture. Oh, my God. Yeah. I had no idea about this. (laughs) Oh, oh, this this opens the door for so many more possibilities now. You're welcome. Oh, this is the greatest episode ever. I was dude, there was two or three. There's like a great Stan Musial. Like I I saw that and I was like, yeah, no, not with what's coming up this coming week. I have to do this. Oh, man. Yeah, we've got some stuff to talk about next segment. But boy, oh, this is great. Oh, thank you, Bobby. This yeah. is the best. This is the best gift you could have ever given me. Oh, old, old metal. Metal M E T T L E. Metal the mule. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even. <laughs> That's Dolores a... had a heck of a entry. <laughs> that is. Uh... Thank you, Dolores. Thank you, Dolores. Quite <laughs> the choice. Oh man. Holy. Okay. So the this one right here is uh this one again like I said this week um had a lot of baseball stuff in it. Like, uh, big baseball changes. So, July 10th, 1968, 
The American League and National League agree on next year's expansion and playoff format. Each league will divide in its oh each league will divide its 12 teams into six team divisions, playing a best of five game league championship series to determine the pennant winner. So the playoffs were created. How about it? How about it? And now uh, this year, last year of the automatic World Series, uh, you won your league bid. It it is crazy to think about how much the playoffs for you know what has always been the ultimate prize for baseball has changed, and you know now going into this year, we're going to see even more change. Yeah. Well, I mean, what is this? uh, Terrible at math. A little over fifty years ago. Yes. So a lot of it, um, I mean, baseball is an extremely old sport. <laughs> and so yeah. up until 1960 or up through 1968, it was the exact same sport. So can you imagine the get off my lawn guys back then? Oh, I, I this, this is fake. <laughs> back in my day, you could scuff up the baseball. Yeah. Yeah. And so I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty, pretty cool moment. Especially, well, yeah. like I said, considering all the change that we go, it seems like every year we get a new rule. Well, we're going to see plenty of change this year when it comes to the postseason with, with the expanded playoffs. But we can only hope that the Mariners and the Orioles will be there. Yeah, man, if the, oh, the Orioles, America's team. I, I'm so happy for them. Put them on TBS. Golly, you have no idea how happy <laughs> it's making me, <laughs> the run that the Baltimore is on right now. Man, that was the first uh, ba- professional baseball game I ever went to was at Camden Yards. Got to see Cal Ripken and B.J. Surhoff. How about that? Very cool. Very cool. I got one more. Ooh. This one is a, uh extra fun fact. This is strictly based on names. I'm not even going to read the fact to you. Okay, okay. There's two people in this thing. One right. guy is manager Dick Hauser. Dick Hauser, okay, okay. Dick House. Dick okay. House. I like it. Yeah, the, he, old, uh, the old hog house, you know. One of his pitchers, Oil Can Boyd. Oil Can Boyd. Oh, such a, <laughs> it's such a great baseball name. Baseball name, if I've ever heard one. Oil Can Boyd. That got it. It's such a good name. So what we'll was start that? calling Tyler. We- <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think we just found the uh, title for our episode this week, Oil Can Boyd. There you go. I like it. I like it. Well, thank you, Bobby. Those are some good facts. Yeah, not bad. A couple uh, good baseball ones. A couple funny ones. Old Metal. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Metal might be the uh, might be a name contender. Ooh, might have to flip a coin on this. We'll figure it out. Well, anyway, that has been this week in baseball history. Do with that useless knowledge what you will. But, Bobby, it's now time to dive into the week that the Braves just had. Ooh, a fun one. Let's do it. All right, guys, it has been a another quality week for your Atlanta Braves, who really seem to be getting, well, they've been in a, in a groove, but seem to really be staying in it and playing some of their best baseball we've seen in a good while. Coming off of a hot month in June, the Braves entered the first couple of days in July, of course, taking the first two from Cincinnati, which Alex and I talked about on last week's show. 
But because we recorded on Saturday last week, we didn't have a chance to talk about how Sunday's game played out, Sunday, July 3rd. So we'll go ahead and dive into that here. Unfortunately, the Braves can't quite complete the sweep against Cincinnati. The Reds are able to walk it off in the bottom of the ninth, winning 4-3. to A.J. Minter takes the loss in that one. A game of... A game of missed opportunities, so to speak, it felt, and unfortunately, a couple of a uh, couple of bad bullpen hiccups. But nonetheless, Braves still able to take two out of three from the Reds. Yeah, that's just one of those. It feels like when we lose, it's always this kind of game, right? Like, yeah, especially especially uh, lately. Well, yeah. the Phillies game, we got blown out pretty bad, but it feels like the majority of these that we're losing is just like. We're just kind of getting to the back end of the bullpen, and it's like, all right, buddy, please get some outs, and then please score. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, th- this was one of those games, and we have another one coming up this week where you look at and you say, could and should have won that yeah. one, you know. But, you know, those games happen. Again, you go into Cincinnati, you take two out of three like you absolutely should do, take care of business. That That's the main thing. Exactly. So then the – the Braves hit the road then to come home for a 4th of July game Monday night against the Cardinals, who are coming in for a four-game set. Game one, the, Card- the Cardinals and the Braves. Braves are able to jump out early through the second inning. Braves go up 6 to nothing and really never look back. Final score coming in at 6-3. to three. Darren O'Day actually gets the win in this one, but again, just kind of a game that after the second inning, more or less felt felt like it was over. Kyle Wright uh, started out the started out this one going four innings pitched, allowing three hits, one walk, and two strikeouts, no runs allowed. So a bit of a brief outing, but a good outing nonetheless from Kyle. Uh, I think he just got into some deep counts, so his pitch count went up. But hey, six to three against the Redbirds in Game One. Yeah, I mean, it it's funny. I'm going to ask you this question. Do you think okay. we beat the Cardinals a lot, or do you think we get beaten by the Cardinals a lot? Like you're okay, you know, so so yeah, so I know where you're going with this, and, and I think yeah. this is a this is a really funny point to bring up. So <laughs> it, I think I think Game Four and Game Five of the twenty of the uh, nineteen twenty nineteen NLDS, I think certainly has put a bad taste in a lot of Braves fans' mouths when it comes to the Cardinals. We actually have a great record against St. Louis. Yeah, we absolutely own them. Yeah. But if you asked me that last week, if you asked me that before the series started, I'd be like, yeah, dude, no, they they definitely beat us way more often than we beat them. And it's not even close. And I think think after this series, it's what, like nine out of the last ten? Something, yeah, something crazy like that. And and the, the thing about it, too, coming into this game you know, St. Louis was kind of a kind of a wild card team, you know, looking to I think they're you know they're kind of going back and forth with Milwaukee in their own division. So a potential playoff team was kind of what this series was promoted as. And I would say, you know, taking three out of four from the Cardinals, it goes to show the gap between a team like like St. Louis and then a team like Atlanta. And I don't say I don't mean that in like a boisterous kind of way. I think it just goes to show how good Atlanta truly is at this point in the season. Yeah. The, yeah. Um, the way they're playing baseball right now is a lot of fun to watch. Uh, a lot of big hits. Uh, the last, like I, like I, when we lost to the Reds, when they lose, it's those two out hits that we don't get. But when they're winning, it feels like we're playing the Dodgers 
or we are the Dodgers. Two strikes, two outs, base hit. Two strikes, two outs, base hit. Just like they never stop. That relentless thing has kind of come back where it felt like for the first month of the season, if they got down, you could just turn it off. It was over. They've completely reverted back to years past where there's a lot of fight. There's a lot of work and counts and stuff like that. So they're playing really good ball right now. So the Braves are able to continue the momentum into game two against St. Louis. Ian Anderson on the mound looking to kind of bounce back from his rough start against the Phillies in his previous start. And although he gives up a run in the very first inning on a, on a Gorman single, which scores Goldschmidt, Ian Anderson's able to go five innings pitched, allowing eight hits, one run, one walk, and three strikeouts. And the Braves were able to give him early support as well, scoring five in the bottom of the first and then two more in the fourth, giving us our final score of seven to one. So, Again, St. Louis is able to strike first in this game, but then the Braves, just that relentless offense, put up a big crooked number in the bottom of the frame and then just never look back. Seven to one final score in game two. Yeah, when it comes to Ian Anderson, you can pretty much look and see uh, when it comes like walks, like uh, Jeff Rancourt's favorite thing, you know, throw strikes. Yeah, if yeah, he throw can throw strikes. strikes He's going to be fine. It's when he gets out of the zone, especially with the fastball, when he gets out of the zone, then they don't even have to they don't even have to look at a changeup. They can just wait and draw a walk. So when he starts throwing strikes, he threw 61 in that game. When he throws strikes, he's good. And uh, he kind of got back into the zone in that one. Still a lot of hits, but he creates weird contact. <laughs> I do. He's got the weirdest uh, profile, I think, of a starting pitcher in the world. I don't know. He gets hit hard, but also misses barrels. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he. It, I think, but I, I think the biggest thing with him again is just throwing strikes. You know, more often than not, and we'll, we'll talk about it as we get into today's game. You know, more often than not, it's the walks that hurt him so bad. But and I, and I sent this tweet out after after the Tuesday night game. You know, where the Braves were able to win, or actually, I might have even sent it after Ian's night was over. You know, five innings pitched, one run allowed. I said that is the most textbook Ian Anderson start that you can get because he he has seemingly become the guy that he's going to give up a run or two, it seems, in the first couple of innings. And then more often than not, he's able to lock in, but he's not ever able to go deep. And so I think that's the biggest thing is his efficiency, that if he can start finding uh, if he could get a if he could get a finisher pitch. Yeah, he'd be he'd be up there with your. I mean, well, with the other four guys we have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this rotation's incredibly deep when you're complaining about Ian Anderson's yeah, starts. I, yeah, I, I was gonna say if if Ian Anderson is your is your fifth starter, you know, a la your your worst starter of the bunch, you're doing okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and you know, again, our our rotation and our bullpen just continues to shine uh, this season. They, they've really become a strong point for us. So the Braves take the first two from St. Louis, moving into game three. Now Max Free taking on the mat, taking the mound. And boy, this was this was just another Max Freed start. Max goes six innings pitched, allowing only five hits, one walk, and four strikeouts. He gets the W. Uh, the Braves are put two on the board in the fifth, one more in the sixth. Um, Azuna homered, Rosario homered, and then Darno had a deep double that scored Austin Riley. Three to nothing is your final score. Although St. Louis did out hit the Braves, the Braves just able to put some runs across the plate. 
And so suddenly they have taken three of the first four against the Redbirds. Yeah, I mean, the only reason they win this game is because they kept calling time. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, okay. Guys, if, they don't call, if they don't keep calling time, you know, somehow the Cardinals score. I just know that this is all because the Braves played one of their fastest games of the season and also called time way too often. What is what is the deal? <laughs> okay, I, I I went on a mini rant about this in our group chat the other day. I, I just about that was a mini one. I mean, by my standard, sure. <laughs> what what is it with St. Louis and their players being the most boring, milk toast, complaining, whining babies in all of baseball? I don't understand it. So, so Miles Michaelis like complains about how often the Braves were granted time in the box, and and that's why his timing was off, and that's why we were able to win this game. And I'm just kind of like, no, your your offense is just anemic. That was the Braves' seventh fastest game played this season. <laughs> oh man, don't. <laughs> Don't you just love when, like, facts completely destroy somebody's argument like oh, that? Oh, it's great. It's so great. Especially when they're just complaining to complain. Yeah, he yeah. didn't even have a bad day. I mean. No, I, I mean, I so so Michaelis goes six innings pitch, three runs, four strikeouts, and one walk. Yeah, it's not a bad day. He needs to be more mad, mad at his offense. Yeah. Who, you know, St. Louis' offense was absolutely anemic during this, uh, during this four-game set. Let's see, in four games – the the Cardinals scored seven runs in Atlanta. Yeah. Seven runs across four games. Yeah, and let's see. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. If, if, here's my thing, though, on that. Like, if I'm, I don't know who, I don't know who they played uh, after us, but wherever they were going, if if you hear that in a press conference and you know he's coming up in your series, are you going to walk up there and not call time? Oh, like I'm if you know that bothers him. Oh, I'm no, going to walk up there and call time every time. Yeah, every well, I mean, time. If you, he's if he's admitting that it bothers him. Yeah, you, that you, not something you, you revealed would your hand. Yeah, yeah. So I don't even know why you said that. That was not even factually accurate and self detrimental. <laughs> Seems uh seems pretty soft to me, I'll say. Charmin. Yeah. All right. So now we go into game four. Braves looking for a big four-game sweep against St. Louis. And this, as uh as Ben and Jim were talking about on the pregame show on Braves Radio Network, you know, they said no matter who it is that you're playing, no matter how you know bad necessarily a team might be, it's hard to sweep. Uh, a four-game series against any major league ball club, and unfortunately, the Braves fall just short in this one. Uh, three to two is your final score after 11 innings. The Cardinals able to win it in extras, but this was a game that uh, was scoreless through six. St. Louis is able to uh, put a first run across the board, jumping out one to nothing in the top of the seventh. But then Michael Harris the second. Hits a homer to dead center in the bottom of the seventh to tie things up and eventually force extra innings. Uh, the Braves had their chances in this one, but boy, just were not able to cash in any runs. It's kind of one of those games where you say, eh, that's baseball. It happens. But 
one bright spot to look at in this game was Spencer Strider's night out on the mound. Six innings pitched, allowing only two hits, two walks, no earned runs, and 12 strikeouts. Unreal. Uh, 22 batters faced. That dude, this was the uh, nine straight outs recorded by strikeout, or was it? Yeah, nine straight outs recorded by strikeout to start Unreal. the game. Unreal. Um, the dude was on another level. It was so funny because you're sitting there and you're, you know, if you watched or listened on the radio, I know on, I was watching on television and they're all like, uh, you know, if a ball is hit up the middle or hit into the air, you almost hope they don't catch it because you want to see him because it, it, you just knew he was going to strike the next guy out. Like it didn't matter who got on, how many got on. It was just one of those nights where you were watching it and you could just see it. It looked different. Yeah, it, it really did. And I, man, he just he got into such a great groove in this game. And Spencer Strider's ERA is now down to 2.6. Yeah. It's really unfortunate. Uh, well, assuming uh, all things hold suit for the rest of the season, which is a large assumption. Uh, but it's unfortunate for the Atlanta Braves that you can't have two rookies of the year. <laughs> yeah. Because they've got them both. Yeah. I mean, there, and in there, my opinion, it's not particularly close. No, no, it's not. As as much of a show as like a guy like an O'Neill Cruz is putting on in, in yep. Pittsburgh right now, you know, he just came onto the scene a couple of weeks ago. You know, we're we're talking about two guys that Strider especially, who since day one literally made his debut on opening day this year. Kids lights out. I mean, he yeah. he is just he is an unreal talent and. It, Let's talk about unreal talents too, because we already we already talked about him very briefly. But Michael Harris II is, without a doubt, the best nine hole hitter in in baseball. I mean, the dude, uh, he's like they say it every time he comes up. He has never looked uh, overmatched. Now he might at times look slightly lost, uh, but once he dropped his hands. And started that Acuna style swing that he's now adapted. Man, he's gotten to a lot of baseballs. He can go the other way. He prefers to go the other way. His power the other way, Cam. Like, what are we doing? Oh, it 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 it's bananas. And it's so like, funny that you know the adjustment that he needed to make only reinforced the comp that he always had was that you know at the plate he's a left-handed Ronald Acuna. Yeah, so, so <laughs> perspective on Michael Harris, the year is 2021, and I go and watch the Winston-Salem Dash play the Rome Braves, and I see Michael Harris play in center field. Okay. It's July 10th, and he's playing professional baseball. I mean, I'm just like, it's, it's ridiculous. He was in single A last year, and he's well, up here hitting 300. Well, wasn't it wasn't it just last year where like he showed out in spring training and everybody was like, call him up. Yeah. I mean, he did it last year, did this year. And everybody's like, hey, what? Hold on. Because this year was like really the wait, who is this guy? Like, you know, you started hearing a little more of of rumblings of like, wait, this guy's going to be good. This guy's going to be good. You had your your know hows telling you. Right. He's going to be good. But you started seeing it from a lot more people this season that he was going to be really good and I mean if you get a if you get a Ronald Acuna comp and you can come close to achieving that you're you're going to be a really good ball player absolutely so 
the Braves are able to take three out of four from St. Louis. And then into town comes the Washington Nationals uh, coming in, bringing up the rear in the National League East in fifth place where they're having a rough season. And things would not get much better once they came into Atlanta. Friday night, Charlie Morton takes the mound uh, coming in for his start against the Nats. And Charlie, you know, ho-hum, only goes seven innings pitched, allowing four hits, two earned runs, three walks, and seven strikeouts. That'll play. Yeah, I mean, if you're into that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, if that if that rustles your jimmies any at all, you know, <laughs> Charlie, Charlie going seven innings pitched. But, boy, I tell you, I know what rustles my jimmies, and that is home runs, and there were plenty of them in this Friday night game. Matt Olson had a homer in the bottom of the first inning. Ronald Acuna murdered a baseball in the bottom of the second, and then Michael Harris likewise just knocked the cover off of one in the bottom of the eighth. Uh, final score in this one, it's not even close. It's a blowout, a laugher early. 12-2 to two is your final score, game one, against Washington. That's the uh, biggest waste of a rain delay. Oh, my God. What are we doing? Eight to two. Can we just call it? Like, both teams, I'm sure both managers were looking at each other like, hey, we're good over here. If you want to, <laughs> like, we'll save a bullpen if you'll save a bullpen. Like, please. That That's my thing. Like, it goes to the rain delay, and so I start getting ready for bed, and I'm like, yeah, there's no way. There's no way they're going to play this one again. And I, I'm still up by the time, like, I think it was like 1045 it rolls around that, Game is planning to be restarted at 11:15, and yep. I, I just, I did not understand it. What is the point? Yeah. Well, then we came out and scored more runs, so that's fine. Yeah, we, yeah, Man, those two, I gotta, I gotta talk about. First of all, Ronnie's home run and oh his reaction God. has got to tell you so much about how hard he's been hitting the ball and the lack of, uh, let's see, impressive results. Right, he's been getting on base. Right, right. Well, especially the last week or so, he did go through that little time where it felt like it was just a lot of swing and miss, a lot of weak contact. But he's been hitting the ball pretty hard, and I, you know he loves hitting home runs. I mean, that dude loves home run celebrations. He's got the most swag in baseball. Like, so I mean, he loves showing it off. That one man, that thing, it that, jumped off of his bat. Like I, I'm not sure I've ever seen. I it, thought that thing was going into 75 when he hit it. I thought unreal. it was gone. Unreal. And then Michael Harris, I've been waiting, right? Because I, I think he's hit a couple pull side, but most of them have been those just seeds to the opposite Dead field center. gap. Yeah. You know, uh, right back up the middle. That one, he finally got to pull the hands through, and God, I haven't seen one like that since Jock Peterson's. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, he puts it into the second level of the chop house. Michael Harris on Friday night going four for four with three runs scored and four RBI after that game, batting 310 on the season. I mean, it, you know, we, we talked about the adjustment that he made with his hands. I mean, we're talking about a young kid that was able to quickly make that adjustment, too. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, when you hear the guys talk about him, the first thing, it, well, it might be the second thing. The first thing they say is, super talented the second thing they'll tell you is extremely coachable he's willing to listen take adjustments like they keep saying now every time you look at him in the dugout he's in somebody's ear and i mean if you're willing to learn it'd be easy to get really big-headed man i mean and be like dude i don't have to do anything what do you i didn't even have to go to triple a and you called me up here like i'm i'm good the way i am why would i change what i'm doing right 
Instead, right. he goes the opposite way, and it's obviously working for him. All right, so then the Braves enter Saturday afternoon for a midday special against the Washington Nationals. Game two in the three-game set. Kyle Wright on the mound for the second time in the week. And, boy, I tell you, this was just another Kyle Wright start that we have gotten used to seeing this season. Kyle going seven innings pitch, allowing eight hits, three earned runs, two walks, and five strikeouts. What gets me, though, is just Kyle's efficiency has just worked really well. Sure, he had a couple of walks, but for him to be able to get through seven innings is is huge for this team. And there was a point in this game uh, he had thrown, uh, I think it was when he was at 60 pitches, and he had thrown 51 strikes. Well, I don't, I don't think he threw his first ball until like the third inning. I mean, I, like they keep saying, you know, it's easy to tell a guy like, dude, just throw strikes. Your throw strikes. We, you, well, you've heard You'll it. Miss yeah, yeah, a Hall of Famer gets himself out seven out of ten times. You, you've heard it since since little league, like throw strikes. Just throw strikes. And he yeah. just comes out here and he's like, you know what? I'll try that today. <laughs> that dude's been great, man. He's been so fun to watch. It's I love. Uh, he had a, I don't know. It's 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 great to see a guy who fans put so much pressure on when these guys come up. It like we could we're probably gonna do it to Michael Harris. I think he went like six days and didn't get on base, and you start seeing on Twitter the things like, oh, here we go, they're adjusting, he's gonna slop, blah blah blah, and then he goes out and hits that clutch home run in Cincinnati and then hits the clutch home run in the seventh the other day, gets on base, he steals when he gets on. Anyways, Kyle Wright's been a great story. I love it. I'm so happy for him. It's been fun. He's Man, I'm telling you, we're not here without him. The rotation early in the season was, thank God for Kyle Wright. Yeah. Uh, as of yeah. Saturday evening, this is a good one. I don't know. You probably saw it. As of Saturday evening, I don't know about today, there was one pitcher in Major League Baseball with 10 wins and 100 strikeouts. And it was Kyle Wright. And it's it feels like our our patience for him is finally being rewarded too. You know? Yeah. Because it, it feels like we were promised so much of, of Kyle Wright whenever he was initially drafted. And then, you know, his first his first couple of years kind of in and out were never great. But then you could argue that his appearance in game four against Houston in the World Series was kind of like the launching pad point for him for the success that he's now carried over into this season. And I think I've mentioned it on the show before, but like he credits a sports psychologist for being his turnaround for this year, yeah. which is just, you know, it, it it's incredible. And it, it didn't, didn't Smolt say the same thing for his career back that's in the exactly. day. Yep. That's right. You know, I, I think the stuff was always there, but I think for him, he just needed a way to, you know, to clear the cobwebs or, or, you know, clear out the static, so to speak. And it, it's working just incredibly well for him. And, you know, sitting on a 10 and four record this season with a, let's see, with a 2.97 ERA, but at times looking like just an absolute ace. I, you know, I think, I think, like I said, I think our patience with him is finally being rewarded because it certainly feels like at this point, Kyle Wright's here to stay. It really feels like with Kyle Wright, you could use that model on a lot of guys, right? Like you, we, when we need a spot start, you can bring them up here. You can let them see how it goes. And you might you might hit 
that lottery ticket and get an Ian Anderson uh, who doesn't have to go back down. He just gets it right. He just he just has it. His he's older. You're Mike Soroka's like they they get here or, or, they or Spencer Strider like we're yeah, saying they're now. they're older in their they're just they understand and it plays up here. That's another big thing, right? Is not being afraid right. of a big moment. That dude had little success in Major League Baseball and then comes out and gives you great innings in a World Series game. Yeah. And once you well, do that, I, I we, mean, we, how, how do you – the rest is cake, right? Like, oh, dude, if I did it on that stage, what's a, what's game 39 of 162? And, and you know, if you, if you want to say that you didn't pucker up when Kyle Wright came into game four against Houston, you were absolutely lying because we <laughs> all did. You know, like – yeah, I mean, yeah, it was it was it got a little snug in there. Well, I think I think too, like Max Fried is is a great example of being patient for for player development. I mean, you know, keep in mind that a little over three years ago, this guy was still in the bullpen. You know, yeah, like he he wasn't necessarily like this number one ace, best left hander in baseball that we, you know, we knew the potential was there. But it certainly was not there at that point in 2018 and 2019. 2018, the guy who came in to clean up bad starts was Max Fried. Yeah, the guy who came in to clean up bad starts or had blister issues. Like, you know, it it was just like this guy that we traded for and we felt like it was supposed to be something but just seemed to be snake bit. Well, now you see Max Fried's name coming up on, on, on a start and you automatically say to yourself, all right, we have a damn good chance of winning that game. Yeah. I mean, you're thinking if we can, I mean, like t- example tomorrow, well, we can talk about that one later, but when, when you see his name, you're like, Hey, if the guys can give us two, three, you know, on a bad day, four runs where mm-hmm. we've got a good chance at winning this, if the bullpen can cover two or three innings. Exactly, exactly. Well, in the Saturday game, the Braves jump out early with a two-run homer in the bottom of the first. Austin Riley puts the Braves on the board. Juan Soto answers, though. Juan Soto did some damage in this series, but luckily he's about the only thing the Nats have going for him at this point. Uh, Soto hits a solo homer in the top of the third. The Braves answer right back, though, later on in the bottom of the fourth. Tacking on another run as Eddie Rosario is able to reach on an infield single, which scores uh, Austin Riley on that play. And then the bottom of the fourth, once again, the Braves tack on one more on an RCS single, scoring Darno. The Braves jump out four to one, but then things get a little bit hairy in the top of the seventh as Hernandez for Washington is able to homer to dead center. A solo shot puts him within striking distance four to two. And then the top of the eighth, Nelson Cruz singles to left, scoring Juan Soto. And all of a sudden, the Nationals are right there, four to three. But that score is able to hold as A.J. Mentor comes in for the save. One inning pitch, one strikeout, no runs, no walks. Final score, Braves four, Nationals three. Yeah, I mean, again, it felt like we came out on the right side of one of those scary ones towards the end. Mentor really didn't make it. He pulled his best Will Smith. Yeah. Tried to, you know, gave us all a heart attack. But at the end of the day, when you close the door, I guess that's all we care about. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and so you take you take two out of three. And I think the thing that was so frustrating, though, about that game is that you win and then you immediately flip over 
to see what the Mets and Marlins are doing. And the Mets and Marlins <laughs> go into extra innings. The Marlins are able to score, so they are up by a run. God, this game. We go into the bottom of the 10th, and then the tying run scores on what should have been an error, but somehow was ruled a double, which I'll never understand. Yeah, that's an error. That, that's an error. So basically, the Mets win this game on two errors in the bottom of the 10th because the Marlins just forgot how to play defense. And yeah, not great. because I mean, the backhand grab at third, you know, he may, I could, in my opinion, probably a single error or double. Right, like to give him the second. It. I don't know if he makes the throw across, even if he gloves it. But the run certainly doesn't score if he gloves it. Correct, correct. Yeah, I, I think I think that's a good way to look at how to score that. You know, as an infield single and then advanced. You know, advanced base on on the error. Yeah. But, but I yeah, mean, the fact the fact that they ruled that one's double. not even the worst one of the inning. Oh gosh. Yeah, the throw to first. Yeah. That. So. I mean, that so was... my my wife and I had, had gone out to dinner uh, Saturday night and we were riding in the car heading back to the house. And I was like, hey, I'm going to throw this game on because I've got to hear the end of it. And so I got to hear that collapse in the car. Uh, Which broadcast were you on? I was listening to the Mets broadcast. I have a, oh, man. I have I have a rule of mine that if I'm listening to another team, I will listen to the home broadcast because I feel like you get the better experience, so to yeah, speak. That's that fair. way. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, so the Braves unable to gain any ground, but you keep they keep the winning going, winning the series already against Washington and looking for the sweep as we head into Sunday afternoon. Ian Anderson on the mound once again for the Braves in his second start of the week. Braves able to get on the scoreboard first. Austin Riley with a single in the bottom of the third scores Dansby Swanson, and then Eddie Rosario with a sack fly scores Matt Olson two to nothing is your score through three innings. Ian Anderson today able to go five and a third innings pitch, allowing two hits, four walks, and five strikeouts. But it's the walks that are going to come back to bite him because Ian is charged with two earned runs in the top of the sixth inning after exiting the game. Lane Thomas hits a homer to left field, scoring Soto and Nelson Cruz as well. And with one pitch, the Nationals suddenly jump out to a three to two lead Anderson, of course, is charged with those two runs after walking both to uh, to get on. So the Braves find themselves trailing three to two. Bottom of the eighth, though, Austin Riley coming up big again with a massive home run to left field to tie things up. And tied, we would stay all the way through the bottom of the 12th inning. So you got to shout out Jesse Chavez, I think, in this game and Colin McHugh, both coming in and throwing two innings in this one. Uh, allowing no no runs. Colin McHugh allowing only one hit between the two guys and able to give the Braves a good chance. And then in the bottom of the 12th inning, Austin Riley once more singles to left, scoring Dansby Swanson. The Braves complete the sweep with a final score of 4-3 to three in the Sunday matinee. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> golly, it felt like it just, you know, Lane Thomas hits, that was an absolute, that thing was tattooed. Yeah, Dylan Lee knew it the moment. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. that, Dylan Lee's been great. He has. Uh, D- Dylan Lee's, I mean, we're talking about a guy. You get away with a, with a mistake, and sometimes you don't. <laughs> we're talking about a guy with a 1.5 ERA out of the bullpen. Yeah. Like he's, yeah, he's, been, yeah. he's been a lot of fun to watch. Um, another guy made his debut last year, and all of a sudden you're getting fairly high leverage innings out of uh, 
the, you know, the year after. So whatever they're doing with the pitching staff has been working really well. Jesse Chavez, I, I mean, I liked Sean Newcomb, uh, but it was clearly <laughs> time for some sort of change. And I think right. everybody was like, oh, great, we got Jesse back. I don't think anybody saw this coming. <laughs> no, and you, but you know, the thing is, though, like, he, he was very solid and good for us at times last year. Oh, but he was man, great. Then, he was a dude you could throw in for sure and give, you know, it may not even have been mop-up. It might have been, you know, two or three run game, and he was going to be able to give you two or three. Yeah. But this and, year, it's like a strikeout pitch all of a sudden has occurred, and he is, I mean, you can throw him high leverage, low leverage, it doesn't matter. Well, I think I think I saw somebody on Twitter today say today too that like during during his first inning that he threw today, he was averaging about six seconds uh, in, in between pitches. Like he he works incredibly fast. Yeah. Too that that's that's the thing. Like he he doesn't and he doesn't really do anything fancy either. He's just going up there and pounding the strikes on throwing strikes. You know, as as we've been talking about. <laughs> when he throws strikes, he's. It's really when he gets when he starts nibbling with that cutter, especially away to uh, way to righties. It's when it start you know you can kind of feel it like man if he he's gonna have to lay one of those in there and <laughs> it's not gonna be hard to catch. But he's yeah. been great. Uh, he's been really good. McHugh, the thing with McHugh is it just feels like when he's had a bad day, it's been a big moment. Yeah, he's had more really good days than bad ones it's just the bad ones are the one we remember because they're the ones where it feels like it you lost a game well i think you know i think like on on that note you know his very first appearance in a braves uniform on opening day <laughs> he gives up a tank to the visitors bullpen which yeah. you know essentially was the difference in that game yeah and yeah, so, that was matched yeah yeah you know i and Tyler Matzik had a really good showing today, too, going one and two-thirds innings pitch, coming in and getting a dare no day out of a jam. Um, one strikeout, no hits, no runs, no walks. You know, very much a typical Tyler Matzik outing that we've gotten used to. You know, I think a, a couple of his other outings that we've seen him in since he came back, we've been a little bit skeptical of just because of how hard it seemed the ball was getting hit. Yeah. But, but today he looked a little more like Tyler Matzik of old. I agree. I agree. Yeah, it felt like he was really kind of it. It the velocity is still not there, but I know he even spoke about that. He's not really trying to get that velocity yet. Um, but it just felt like a lot of barrels were getting found. I mean, even in uh, his first one, it was a good outing, but there was a lot of hard hit balls right to somebody. And if we're gonna be, you know, hopeful division champs and so on you're gonna have to have that guy back yes you are so the braves complete the sweep of the washington nationals improving their record on the season to 52 and 35 meanwhile up in flushing new york (laughs) the mets drop their game against miami in extra innings and suddenly the Braves find themselves only one and a half games back before entering arguably the biggest series of the season to date, starting on Monday. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. That's right. So the New York Metropolitans meet the Mets, come into Atlanta this week. The Only the second series these two teams have played each other, and they have not seen each other since May. It's been a good while since they've played one another. 
Monday, uh, the matchup 7.20 p.m. on FS1. Max Freed going up against Max Scherzer in what is sure to be an absolute barn burner. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, you look at that matchup and you're like, okay, you know, let's watch this pitcher's duel. And every time you have that thought, right, it's you always look up and it's like four, four, four game in the third inning. It's like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, baseball's funny that way, but I, I tell you, this, this is exactly the, the matchup uh, we we certainly would have wanted to see here. So, you know, hopefully Max Free can keep doing Max Free things. It's going to be a playoff atmosphere. The, the Braves, I don't know if you know this, <laughs> the Mets had their uh, second sellout this season, uh, this weekend, for the right. Keith Hernandez uh, number retirement. Yeah. The Braves have had umpteen sellouts they're gonna have another one tomorrow because they're doing a ring giveaway <laughs> uh on a night where you play the mets i don't care if it's a monday that place is going to be a playoff type atmosphere and i hope it completely overwhelms them <laughs> well it, so so to speak on that you know i it, it it's it is amazing how how it seems truest park has really come into its own its own as far as being like in the upper tier of MLB atmospheres right like you know now more more and more each season you're starting to see opposing staffs you know opposing announcers and commentators make note of just the atmosphere inside Truist Park you know earlier this season when the athletics were in Atlanta Dallas Braden was on Twitter like absolutely hyping up the Atlanta fans saying this atmosphere is awesome, yeah. you know, for a random Tuesday night game against Oakland, you know, it was a sellout crowd and the crowd was thumping. Right. And that's the, that's the biggest difference, right? It seems like the last couple of years you can watch them on a Friday night, Saturday night. And it's like, man, that place is crowded. It's loud. They're in the game, but it's been like, you know, you'll get to like Tuesday, Wednesday, random matchups and you're like, okay, not really, you know, it's a decent sized crowd. You'll hear the numbers come through and it's like, you know, 25,000. The, this season has been unbelievable. The turnout in that place. Yeah. So, so for instance, let's see, um, just through this week, uh, Monday, July 4th, 41,975 people. Tuesday, July 5th, 35,656. Wednesday, July 6th, 36,718. Thursday, July 7th, 37,756. Friday, 41,725. Saturday, 4632. And then Sunday today, 3253. But it still sounds like it, there's 40,000 people in there. But we're talking about on a Thursday night against St. Louis yeah. in July. You're putting almost 38,000 people into that stadium. Yeah, I mean, a place that capacity is listed at 41,084. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, what is that, 90, 95%? Yeah, that, that, that's, yeah that, that's 95% full on a Thursday night. Yeah. And and so I think I think a really, a really neat uh, comparison there is suddenly the, the team of the South, so to speak, the, the Atlanta Braves, have brought what is what feels like a college football atmosphere to baseball. Yeah, it's it's insane. It's, I think the funnest part to me is uh, last year 
I went to New York on a trip. I got to go to Yankee Stadium. Man, that place was in. It's the first inning with no outs and two strikes, uh, and the they're insanely loud. Yeah. It felt like you know the bottom of the ninth. Right. And it feels like watching these Braves games that that kind of same atmosphere is migrated to Atlanta. Like you're getting a, a extreme intensity from the crowd from first pitch. It's like, it, it it's just so awesome how suddenly you come off of a world series win and that seems to have only invigorated the fan yeah. base even more. Yeah. Cause let's not be naive. I mean, like winning brings fans. If you're, if you're losing, I don't care how fun the battery is and, the kids area or whatever. If you're not winning, people aren't showing up, but they've, they've won. And the fans have now like, you know, thank you. We're here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, th- and think about it this way too, man. Truest park from a timing standpoint could not have happened at a better time because at, at this point in its tenure, Truest Park has only seen one losing season, and wow. that was twenty. That was twenty seventeen. Yeah. Wow. Beyond that, the Braves have had a winning record and have made the postseason every single year other than year one. So, yeah, so you know, yeah, they've won the division every year but one. Yeah. 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 Absolutely wow. wild. I didn't even think so, about that. So, so yeah, so this series against New York. It, Again, you're not going to clinch the division this week, but this, you know, along with the series that we just had you know, against San Francisco and L.A. are going to be two, you know, this series is going to have that playoff atmosphere. It is going to be awesome. So we, we roll into game two on Tuesday night, 7.20 p.m. start, this time on Valley Sports. Spencer Strider takes the mound against David Peterson. So, Arguably, we could say Spencer Strider's maybe his toughest start uh, of the season this year beyond his start against uh, against the Dodgers a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, again, every one of these is going to be a good pitching matchup, um, in my opinion. You're going to see, I don't know, we're really good against left-handed pitching, so you get Peterson in game two. There was a point this year where they were undefeated against left-handed pitching, but it feels like lately, for whatever reason, they either hit it or they don't. <laughs> right, it's like right. It, you either see you know, six, seven runs, or for whatever reason, it's the seventh inning, we've got seven hits and can't score. Right. But we'll see. I mean, like, you know, the Mets, it's, it's, it's funny. I think this series, uh, with all the storylines, it's kind of got like a baseball as a whole storyline, the Mets have kind of got that, like you put the ball in play, you run the bases, you try and steal the old quote unquote, play it the right way style. And then you've got the Braves who hit a lot of home runs <laughs> and, yeah. you know, bring the old school style in the pitching. But as far as offense goes, it's your three outcome style offense. Yeah, so, you know, it. I think Spencer Strider, for a guy who's just a strikeout machine, I feel like this could really be a chance for him to show out right here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Ooh. their offense has been a little down, 
so that's nice uh, for us that they're coming in a little cold. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, they're big time put the ball in play. Um, and so if he can, you know, you're not worried about Max, right, obviously, so it's Max Freed. But if Spencer can come out and, and make a statement, that would that would really go a long way for him, I think, because you still got to think somebody's got to go to the bullpen. At some point, if you get Mike Soroka back, somebody's got to go to the bullpen. Right. And Spencer's fighting for his life because he's the young guy. I mean, he if you if I listed the starters, you would say, oh, it's Strider. Like, if I just said those five names, you'd be like, yeah, Spencer Strider going to the bullpen. But when you look at his numbers, you're like, you can't put that guy in the bullpen. It's a it's certainly a good problem to have. Oh, yeah, it's great. For sure. For sure. All right. And so then we round out this three game series against the Mets on a businessman special on Wednesday afternoon, 12.20 p.m. start. Charlie Morton will take the mound against Chris Bassett in the series finale with New York. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really know a lot about Bassett. Seems to be having a good year. He's got a lot of decisions, which tells me he pitches pretty deep. Right. 16 games. Yeah, 100 innings, roughly. Uh, So, yeah, he's having a good year. I think more so this game, again, for us, is going to be which Charlie do you get? Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's going to – I think that's just going to be the question every time we see him on the mound now. Um, You know, Father Time is certainly undefeated, and Charlie's not getting any younger, especially coming off off an injury like he is uh, from from the World Series last year. So, yeah, it, it'll come down to what Charlie Morton do we get. But, you know, I think you, you got to look at these matchups in this series, and you, you got to feel good about your chances at the very least, especially with how the Braves are just clicking right now. Agreed. And if you can come out and, uh, like we like we said, you're not winning anything this week, um, but you can certainly make a statement. And if you can come out and win a series, and like Bobby Cox always said, just win the series. Yeah, exactly. If you win the series, everything's going to take care of itself. But if you take two out of three, you know, you kind of put your foot down like, hey, this was all fun and games to talk about who we played, who you played, who we haven't played, and blah, blah, blah. But head to head, here we are. It, well, exactly. And it's like you and I were talking about off air that, you know, after this week, you know, we just covered eight games uh, on the breakdown for this week. You know, the Braves go six and two yeah. across eight. You know, if, if you're able to do that consistently, the the tide evens itself out eventually. Yeah. I mean, if you keep doing that, it won't matter if the Mets keep winning or not. You're You're going to be a playoff team, and more than likely, you're winning a division. Exactly. So Wednesday is a getaway day for both the Braves and the Mets. Atlanta will then head up to our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., to start a four-game series against the Nationals. So back-to-back weekend series against Washington. Kyle Wright will get the mound on Thursday night's game. No listed starter for Washington as of right now. And then in Friday night's game, 7.05 p.m. start, Ian Anderson will take on Patrick Corbin. So a matchup here that... Certainly feels like both guys, you never quite know what you're going to get from them. Yeah, it's this series, like just looking at the schedule in general, um, gives me like 2019 Marlins right before the break. I don't know if you remember, that's the Charlie Culberson throw. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Superman throw. It just gives me that like, okay, you know, it's the Nationals. This should be fine. 
But if you can, yeah, I mean, this is, if you can take, if you can just split it, keep some momentum, and then have a few days off. It's unfortunate we're getting a break. <laughs> like, this is a terrible time yeah. for an all-star break if you're a Braves fan. Yeah, it absolutely is, because the, the momentum they just have right now, um, it, you know, you, you would love to be able to keep that going. But, you know, I, I think here here's really your chance to hit a good series with, with the Mets and then finish out strong against the team that you should finish out strong against. So, I, you know, I think that's that's a good way to look at it. So uh, that's momentum. Just exactly progress. Exactly. Saturday afternoon, 4.05 p.m. start against the Nationals. Max Freed will take the mound against Paolo Espino, who I believe had the start today. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, so we'll see Espino once more on Saturday. And then Sunday, the final game for Atlanta before the All-Star break, 1.35 p.m. start. Spencer Strider will take on Josiah Gray in what is the last game of the first half of the 2022 season. Yeah, and it seems like the worst part of the, about this series, Braves-related, is that there are two day games in it. Yeah. <laughs> they just, for whatever reason, these day games, they don't, they're don't. they under 500, and it just seems like every one of them are kind of like, just like we said, those weird games where it feels like you should have, like it It feels like it's four to nothing, and you, it's nothing to nothing, and then they get one big hit. Right, right. Well, I mean, think about like, uh, two three weeks ago, that that middle of the week day game against the Giants, right, where we jumped out early, but then like there were a couple of big homers, and then Jock Peterson had his homer in the ninth. You know, day games even when we won have not come easily. No. So. Yeah, but like you said, keep the momentum. They've been playing really good ball, and then send some of our guys to Hollywood. That's right. That's right. We will preview that next week here on Chatting Average. But before we go, we just want to remind you that today's episode of Chatting Average is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created Internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and and to hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or on social media. Just go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at sportsdrink, spelled just like sportsdrink, but without the vowels. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying not to let the funk out. Bobby, I appreciate you coming on the show this week, man. This was a blast. Yeah, I appreciate you letting me. Uh, hopefully this one makes it to the people. Yeah, I think it will. I'm um, not, not going to lie. Like every 30 seconds, I have checked to make sure it was still recording because I did not <laughs> – want to let that happen again oh man because this time this time i won't be able to blame alex this time it will be all on me if this doesn't go out so and i probably i well i'm not even gonna sit there i will not let you forget it that's right that's right well for bobby anthony at ba bobbles and for myself mr cam matthews this has been chatting average we'll catch y'all next week on a brand new episode bye has been the Chatting Average Podcast brought to you by Sports Drink. Be sure to check out our merchandise store at teespring.com slash stores slash Chatting Average Podcast 
And please consider becoming a patron of our show at patreon.com slash chatting average. We'll see you next week for another brand new episode. <laughs>